0: Better get ready. Yeah! Yeah! Because Under the Dome with CD starts right now. Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do it. Do it.
1: And welcome, everyone. Hour number two of two of Under the Dome with CD is officially underway right here on the game 1037 104 1041 Lake Charles. Let's make the most of this second hour because I don't have two hours to deal with next Saturday. Thanks a lot, LSU, Tennessee, and the SEC deciding to go ahead and and bump us around is what it is. We'll we'll grin and bear it because I knew we were going to get at least one of these games in 2022 because we always do, to be quite honest. So let's go ahead and get down to brass tacks here on a Louisiana Saturday morning with some of the bets you need to hammer down this weekend.
0: The world-famous CD always has his eyes on the lines out in Las Vegas. Hit me 20. Hit me 21. Hit me 22. Here's his five favorite bets for the weekend. Will he make you rich beyond your wildest dreams? Or will you be cursing him out after he goes 0 for 5? Let's find out on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
1: Let me just go ahead and recap last week's picks real quick because those were absolute gut punches and had me nervous like nothing else. So let's start off with the easiest one with Notre Dame beating North Carolina at plus 115. This was the week of the dog. I had the dog in me that week. This week, not so much. We'll talk about my picks this week in a few but I got Notre Dame right. That one was easy money. Florida 105 That was easy, but at the same time, it was definitely a little bit of a nail-biter in the final moments. At my, That was easy there. Arkansas, a missed field goal that bounced off the top of the goal post. I've never seen anything like that before, and hopefully i never see that again. That was a brutal, brutal beat. Then you had the Houston Texans lose 23-20. Those two legs fell apart. The Denver Broncos got the win on Monday Night Football and helped me win my fantasy football league this week. Two and one, baby. Somehow, some way by pure bleeping luck. We'll talk about more of my fantasy team in a little bit and how maybe I curse certain players. But yeah. Three and two last week, just straight up, if I put money down, I probably would have would have had myself a pretty decent weekend. But you know. We do a parlay, those things fall apart. So with that in mind, I've got a few picks to click for this weekend. And I'll start off with the 11 a.m. contest. We see the Kentucky Wildcats take on the Ole Miss Rebels. Now the line has shifted. I think now it's plus 210. So if you want to put some money down on the Kentucky Ole Miss game, go towards the Wildcats. I feel like they're hated on in this by the guys in the desert. It feels like easy money to snatch up again. Kentucky's been a pretty doggone good team this year. It's a battle unbeatons in the SEC East and West, respectively. Give me the Wildcats getting the win here at plus one ninety. Then we get to the Arkansas Razorbacks taking on Alabama. And obviously Alabama's a damn good team. Maybe not as good as we thought they were, but at minus 17 point favorites are the tied I'd gladly take Arkansas plus 17 at minus 110 odds that feels like an easy line to hit especially considering that Arkansas isn't the Chad Jones not Chad Jones listen to me the Chad Morris guy Arkansas the you know Brett Bielema led Arkansas Razorbacks team Pimmons got this team rolling, and I think plus 17, that's an easy, easy cover. And also, I think Alabama may be looking a little bit too far ahead to A&M. Then we get to a Sun Belt Conference matchup that's not the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Give me Coastal Carolina at minus 330 over Georgia Southern. Feels like an easy money line hit there. Then we get to the NFL. I'm going to go favorites here. It feels feels right. I think the Giants do get a win here at minus 140. And then the Buffalo Bills at minus 150 over the Baltimore Ravens. Those two games are going to be fun. But I think I want to hit those. And hopefully those bad boys cash this weekend. Because a $5 parlay will net you $103.05. That's kind of where we're at with the fave five picks to click. And I wouldn't mind hitting this one still plenty of money in the in the bankroll but you know we'll we'll take that any way we can but let's go ahead and get into some of the games across the state of Louisiana on today's slate and also tomorrow's slate because we got the Minnesota Vikings and New Orleans Saints in foggy London town at nine o'clock less than 24 hours from right now so let's start with South Alabama and the Cajuns because that game's at four o'clock kickoff at Cajun Field, beautiful weather for kickoff. And South Alabama, if you told me before the season this was going to be the Jacks 8.5-point favorites, I probably would laugh at you and think you're out your mind. But with everything that's happened over the last few weeks and the news that Chandler Fields is currently listed as doubtful for the contest, I wouldn't take the 8.5-point spread. I'd take the money line and run with it at minus 315 on South Alabama. Because I like what I've seen from South Alabama. Outside of blowing a lead against UCLA, they have been a phenomenal team with their quarterback in tow. And again, I said it earlier. They have a quarterback. The game done change. I like what I see. Over-under is 475 And I think just based off of what I've been seeing, the Cajuns have been kings of under at, you know, eight of their last nine games have hit the under. But what's interesting is South Alabama in their last six road games in the month of October, they failed to cover the eight and a half point spread. I feel like I'd much rather try and take the under 47 and a half much rather than South Alabama, or the Cajuns covering eight and a half, because I feel like this game could get lopsided very, very quickly. So if I'm going to take it, I'd say take the spread, take take South Alabama and the points under 47 and a half, and I'd gladly take the money line to minus 315. You won't get much of a return on an investment on the minus 315, but I think if you want to put that in a parlay with some other heavy favorites or strong favorites, gladly. Take that and go, go take that opportunity. Then you have LSU taking it on Auburn on the Plains. It's Tigers versus Tigers slash War Eagles slash Plainsman. This one, you've got the Tigers eight-point favorites over under a 45 on the button and a minus 305 money line for the Tigers of the purple and gold variety. For me... Again, I'd much rather take the money line on this because I, I don't know how this game could go. I feel like LSU does win, but I think Auburn is a team that for a good while, they've had opportunities where they've played some good games and they've won some quality contests. But Auburn-LSU, the history, especially the last few years, it's been highly competitive. Like, Seriously. Go back to 2016. There's a stretch from 2016 till 2020 when they lost, when LSU lost Auburn 48 to 11, where games were decided by no less than four or five points. That's an incredible stretch run of games that did not, like, you they, they saw that spread, eight points. I'd probably take Auburn to cover the spread, but personally, I would gladly take the money line at minus 305. Some of the other notable kind of st- you know, statistics here and also where they're kind of leaning on odds, Jaden Daniels' passing yards are over-under 217.5, one-and-a-half One t- passing touchdowns over-under. You also have receiving yards between Keshawn Boutte and mid League Neighbors. It's 55.5 for Keshawn, Over-under for Neighbors is 52.5. Tank Bigsby has over under twelve and a half reception uh, receiving yards. And honestly, I'd probably take that over twelve and a half. If I'm being honest. Tank Bigsby over under seventy and a half rushing yards. Don't know if I touched that off top. But definitely would touch Tank Bigsby over twelve and a half and probably over .5 touchdowns. Tank Bigsby getting a touchdown, that feels like a thing that can and will happen. And you won't get much off of those, off those bets, but it's interesting to see. Like Basically, there's four bets you can place right now where I'm seeing half a touchdown on Jaden Daniels, Tank Bigsby, Kayshaun Boutte, Malik Neighbors. If you see touchdowns, now rushing touchdowns for Jaden Daniels, I probably wouldn't touch that. But receiving touchdowns, 100% run with that. If you want to make a same-game parlay out of that, you could probably ca- make a decent amount of money off of that. Then you have the Minnesota Vikings taking on the New Orleans Saints in foggy London town. Vikings currently 3.5-point favorites. over under is at 41. I'd probably take the under 41, to be honest with you, just based off of what I've seen from the New Orleans Saints as of late. That they have not that they have struggled offensively, that said, the month of October is when they get their bleep together they've won eighteen of their last nineteen games in the month of October, plus one forty odds are the Saints. If you want to make some money, that'd be an odd to take and run with That said, I'd probably lean more towards the Vikings at minus one sixty five just to be safe. Because I don't know if Andy Dalton, the ginger ninja, gets it done for the black and gold. Mind you, his odds of over-under are astronomical compared to what we've seen with Jameis Winston the last two weeks. Over-under, 224.5 for him. Meanwhile, Kirk, don't call him Kurt Cousins, at 253.5 over-under there. I'm intrigued to see how Andy Dalton does. I'm not necessarily sold on... Two twenty-four and a half over under. I'd probably, on the safe side, go over on my end because again, life's too short to bet the over. Some of the other alt lines and stuff like that. You know, I'm seeing as high as sixteen and a half according to some of the lines that pop up. But if I were to put a odds on for the first touchdown score, I gotta go with the former LSU Tiger Jettas at plus six fifty. That is a value pick up right there we're gonna go ahead and take a quick timeout. when we come back we're gonna talk about what's going on with the NFL and I'm gonna rant for a while so if you want to call in 337-706-0111 I'm gonna talk with Bob Rose at the bottom of the hour but I've got to get my frustrations out about a certain league and the way they've bungled the situation with Tua Tungavailoa Back after this on the game, 1037 Lafayette at one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 103.7 Live. He had a 1041 Lake Charles. And it's time to kill two birds with one stone. Or as uh, one Ricky from uh, uh, Trail Park Boys would say, get two birds stoned at once. It's time to help a good cause and do some early holiday shopping with the Opelousa St. Landry Rotary Club Auction. Will be held on Tuesday on KDCG Channel 50.2 over the air, Cox 9.0. Charter 11 and LUS 22. The auction's beginning at 6 o'clock, and viewers can bid on a variety of items. I mean, a litany of stuff. I was seeing some of the items that will be up for auction. I want in on this. Gift cards, vacation packages, sporting goods, home decor, memorabilia, and so much more. All proceeds go to worthy causes, and items can go for pennies on the dollar. So make sure to tune in this Tuesday at 6 o'clock. For the Opelousa St. Landry Rotary Club Auction on Tuesday on KDCG. Absolutely love that every single year. This place is absolutely swarming with people. Because we film it in our little TV studio not far from the game studios. And it is constantly packed to the gills. And I love that kind of stuff, to be quite honest. But one thing I don't love, and this be where I air my grievances. A little Seinfeld reference there after that rejoin i will have Bob Rose on a little bit. But what I want to get to right now is the NFL and what they did with this last week for the Miami Dolphins. And more Tua Tagovailoa and the trouble they are getting into. Am I burying the lead in the second hour? Hell yeah, I am. But at the same time, I've got a method to the madness. And this is where I hit the NFL in general. I make sure college football is in its own little hold at the first hour. Hour two, we talk about the pros. That's the way the show goes. If you haven't listened before, that's how it goes. I would love to be more NFL to lead off the show, but I feel like the Cajuns deserved some time in the sun to start it off. But this is a league that has said they have player safety at the forefront, and once again, they have shot themselves in the foot in this situation. What happened to Toutonga Vaialoa on Thursday night? is unfortunate and should have never happened to begin with. Number one, you're on a short week, and Tua was stumbling around the field like he just left Tigerland at 2 in the morning. And I don't mean to make light of the situation, but that's what it looked like to me when I saw the highlight. He was stumbling around after some whiplash hit his head on the turf. He was concussed very clearly. He should have been taken out of the ballgame and not allowed to return in the second half let alone the Thursday night football game against Cincy. I wouldn't have let him play at all if it were me, even if it was a Monday night game, if I was the head coach or a medical professional. Because, again, concussions are a real thing. And out the fact that when you have a concussion and you're not fully recovered, you could have another one and that could cause more irreparable damage. We know this stuff. As somebody who's watched wrestling for years, I know this stuff. And we've seen what happens. But the fact that he was out there against Cincy on Thursday Night Football alone is a absolute travesty. And further proves why this Dolphins organization, the last couple of years, has been in an absolute tailspin. And they're making it a very tight race for the worst run organization behind dan snyder and we know how much he's been an absolute bleep show as the head of the table of the washington commanders but look at what the dolphins have they have a mounting amount of evidence against them as being one of the most like bleep shows in the nfl and probably of all sports to be honest with you because this is a pretty damning thing to start off you've got Brian Flores, the controversy surrounding his firing, because apparently he did too well for them to keep him on. That alone makes you wonder, is there deliberate tanking going on within that organization, and they just want to continually be in the bottom of the barrel? Then you have the front office this past offseason, not just openly tampering to coax Sean Payton out of retirement, but also to get Tom Brady to go from the, his retirement to go over to the Miami Dolphins while he was still in a contract with the Bucks, Then you throw in this. The NFL has to make an example out of ownership and the coaching staff because this, a lot like what they called Gate, is unforgivable. And if I'm to Tonga Tungvaluwa, I'm looking for the first flight out of Miami. I don't care where I go if I'm two up. But if you want to put my health at risk, and this is for anybody, to be honest with you, but anybody that has an opportunity to play professional football, it's an honor and a privilege. And there is a clear assumption of risk when you play football, period. But when you're playing at the highest level, and more importantly, you are dealing with a concussed player. You sit him down. And it further proves why I think the league does not give a crap about player safety. They can say that, "Oh, we we put an extra emphasis on player safety." BS. Because you would have stepped in and said, "Hey, he can't play this Thursday till we complete this investigation." So the NFL wants to say, hey, we we believe in player safety. B.S. B.S. Because of stuff like this. Tuatanga Vailua did not need to play this past Thursday night. And the fact that the Amazon broadcast on Thursday Night Football, which is not the best, their play-by-play guys, fantastic. Al Michaels, and who would have thought Kirk Herbstreit, Could be a good NFL commentator in 2022. That wasn't on my bingo card. But. You had their halftime broadcast. Not even acknowledge the fact he was concussed. And headed to a local medical facility. To get checked out. Thankfully. Tua can move his fingers and toes. Move his extremities. And he's feeling better. But. He should not be playing at all. For the next several weeks. Figure out. What's wrong with them? There may be some severe neurological issues going on here. And the NFL's probably got some lawsuits on their hands before too long with all this. But it's amazing how much of a bleep show the Miami Dolphins have been. And what I saw Thursday night, whenever you had a Cincinnati Bengals player just throw him down, and all of a sudden, Tua's head, again, whiplashes onto the turf. And his fingers are seizing up. That was a gruesome sight. And way more gruesome than Joe Theisman having his leg just destroyed. Way more gruesome than Alex Smith a few years ago with the Washington Commanders. This was gruesome because you don't know if Tua in his career could have been done. Is again, it can take any hit like that that could cause you to have paralysis be it temporary or permanent. And if that happened on a Thursday night football game whenever you had a short week and you just were dealing with a concussion and you still went out there in the second half of a ball game on Sunday whenever it was clear that you shouldn't have even been there. I really hope that the NFL throws the hammer on this Miami Dolphins franchise, because if they don't, it further proves how much of a hatred there is for the Saints in that front office. Because ten years ago, you had the Saints, their head coach, that the team got fined, and everybody wanted to get rid of the owner, Tom Benson, as well, because of all the stuff that was going on with Bounty Gate, all because of Brett Favre getting absolutely demolished by the Saints. That's what caused all. That's what really started all this for me. And again, it all goes back to the Saints. So I hope the Dolphins do get what's coming to them, and there is a massive change in how they do things. Because there's there needed to have been changes for a long time. If I'm being honest with you, this should have been nipped in the bud right away. This is what I was thinking. Kind of like how the UFC does it. Because I like how they do things to a certain extent when it comes to fighters after a fight when they have an injury, be it a concussion or otherwise. They put them on a medical suspension and say you're suspended for six months. When your six months are up, you can kind of get ready for your next fight. Suspend them for one game in terms of a medical suspension. That's how concussions should be handled, especially with that Kind of game. That was an absolute bleep show and further proves why I think the NFL doesn't give a damn about player safety. Again, purely my POV. If you disagree with me, far be it for me to stop you from calling the hotline 337 706 0111. 337 706 0111. But in the meantime, in the between time, we'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, we're going to get on our guy, Bob Rose, talking Saints football, kind of doing pinch hitting, or better yet, I'm taking the heater out right now, 1030, Bob Rose, coming your way next right here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette and one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
0: Most sports talk shows turn it up to 10 on the amp. But Under the Dome is far from your ordinary sports talk show. It takes it just one step higher. These go to 11. Now back to the show that gets the lead out. Under the Dome with CD on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 1037 Laugh Yet and 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And let me tell you, we got something cool going on today. And that is the Latin Music Fest. The Park International is going to be a buzz today with a lot of great music. Admissions, 10 bucks. Kids, 12 and under, get free. And there's some great artists that be going down. And also you get to celebrate the bold taste and the sounds as well, of Latin culture going on from 4 to 10 p.m. today at Park International in downtown Lafayette. You can check out more information at festivalinternational.org. We talk about the culture out in Mexico and the Latin American kind of influence that is hitting this area. That's great. But guess what? Saints are in foggy London town tomorrow for a 8.30 kickoff against the Minnesota Vikings. Should be a fun ball game. And to talk about it and break it down a little bit with me is our guy, Bob Rose, part of Saints News, which is part of the SI Network, and also the co-host of the Bayou Blitz podcast. Bob, how's it going?
2: CD, I'm doing real good this morning. How about you?
1: I'm doing pretty doggone good, man. And first things first, how are you kind of getting ready for this eighth 30 a.m. kickoff it, it's way earlier than i think most of us are used to and again this is years of us being like kind of conditioned to saints games being at noon and now you have to get up at 8 30 to get your football sunday started and then it rolls all the way through
2: I, well, personally, I got no problem getting up. I don't sleep well anyway. I have a toddler and a puppy. Uh, so I'm going to be up and out of bed at 6, uh, you yeah, know, 6 a.m. Uh, Brandon and I are rolling with the Bayou Blitz Saints News Network pregame show at 7 a.m. So, you know, I, I'll be raring to go whether I like it or not. But you know what, as far as, uh, you know, if I'm a player or coach, I really like what Dennis Allen did with the team this week. Uh, you know, if I'm running them, uh, you know, when I was coaching, you know, it's certainly at a far lesser level. Uh, I, I always wanted to get my team to the next venue, to an away venue as quickly as possible, uh, especially for a, you know, for a big game like this is for the Saints. Uh, and, you know, Dennis Allen and the Saints being there all week, uh, it took them away from distractions at home, uh, you know, from from some of us media types that are criticizing them maybe a little bit. Uh, it certainly got them used to the jet lag because there's a, uh, what, a six hour time difference between yeah. London and New Orleans. Um yeah, and like you said, it, yeah, it allows the players body clocks. A little, a few more extra days to adjust to the chi- time change. Not to mention, you know, take in the views in London, maybe relax a little bit. Uh, they got to that venue so quickly to allow themselves to settle in and start rehabbing those injuries. Although with the, with the number of players that are out, I don't know how much good that did. But I, yeah, I, I really like what the organization did.
1: Now let's get let's get to what the biggest topic of the week is with the New Orleans Saints, and that is Jameis Winston not at practice at all this week, and it seems mm-hmm. like Andy Dalton is going to be playing for the Saints on Sunday morning, which, which feels weird to say Sunday morning, but we're going to get used to it. <laughs> how surprised are you with all this, and could this, if if let's say hypothetically Andy Dalton puts on the game of his life, how much does that create some quarterback controversy as we head into a pivotal kind of second part of the season. Once we get through the first four games, they're two and two, and Andy Dalton looks a lot better, and the offense looks a lot more efficient without Winston.
2: I, C.D., I think you hit the nail on the head. I think you could be looking at a, a very real quarterback controversy in New Orleans. Uh, first of all, I think it's the right move to sit Jameis Winston. And we're talking you – know, Dennis Allen is sitting him because of injuries uh, and, and his back specifically, not because of performance. Because if it was yep. purely performance-based, there'd be a lot of Saints sitting down right now. uh <laughs> So I think it's the right move in that aspect. Uh, but you're right. I mean, if Andy Dalton balls out uh, given the nature of Jameis Winston's back injury and they're, that they're coming back from London without a bye week and got to go right back to work, I think you then start Andy Dalton against Seattle the following week. And if Dalton plays well for two consecutive weeks, I think at that stage you, got, you, know, you, you have a real quarterback controversy. If Dalton just plays well for one, then struggles against Seattle, uh, or Jameis is ready to go, I think Jameis is back in the game. Uh, or back in the lineup, because yeah, when healthy, I don't think there's any comparison at this stage of their careers. Jameis Winston is the far better quarterback, uh, but he's not healthy. He is struggling. He's not seeing the field very well. Yeah, he's not maneuvering well in the pocket because of those injuries. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think if Andy Dalton does play well, Dennis Allen has a tough decision to make. However, I do think it's going to take more than just one game of, uh, of standout play.
1: Talking now with Bob Rose, Saints News Network, part of Sports Illustrated's network and also the Bayou Blitz podcast co-host. And we bring up quarterback controversy. It feels like it's been a long time since we can talk about true, honest-to-goodness quarterback controversy. Because last year, I don't think there was any controversy at all. It felt like Jameis Winston was going to be QB1 heading into that season. When When's the last time you can remember there being a true, honest-to-goodness QB controversy?
2: Truthfully, I think you got to go back to uh, the, the early Jim Hazlitt years. Uh, you know, In 2000, Jeff Blake went down. He was playing very well, uh, but went down with that broken ankle. Aaron Brooks came in, steered the ship for the rest of the year, did very well. Obviously won a playoff game, uh, first ever in franchise history. Uh, and then the following year, Aaron Brooks ended up being the starting quarterback, but I think people forget that Jeff Blake was with the team one more year. Uh, obviously, this is pre-Twitter, pre-Facebook days, yeah. so the current controversy wasn't as fired up but that's really the last time i could remember a bona fide quarterback controversy for the starting job in new orleans
1: god that was such a different time back then if only we could go back to those times because i feel like sometimes we get a little bit too toxic with some of the conversation about quarterbacks especially when it comes to Jameis winston and yes i understand he's been underwhelming to a certain extent but at the same time i feel like a lot of that just has to do with the fact that week one he was getting cooked for the better part of that ball game, by a Falcons defense that looked pretty elite, and the fact that your offensive line did you zero favors and you kept winding up flat in your back.
2: Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, the Saints' problems uh, on offense go far beyond the quarterback position. I'll grant you. I, I think it's hard to look anybody in the eyes and say Jameis Winston is playing well right now. Uh, but the offensive line hasn't been able to protect him. They haven't been able to run the ball consistently. Uh, you know, Alvin Kamara. You know, be it injury or not, he just he doesn't look like the Alvin Kamara we're accustomed to. Uh, you know, the tight end position is still basically non-existent as far as receiving goes. Uh, you got to question the. Play play calling at this point. Uh, yeah, Jameis Winston is yeah, certainly responsible for poor, for his own poor play, but he is not the sole reason that this offense is struggling. You are absolutely right.
1: It just always feels like there's. it's never just the quarterback when it comes to my point of view on certain things. And what I've seen from Jameis Winston, he's had some good moments, but at the same time I feel like he's a little bit too over-reliant on the deep ball but what are you expecting to see from the veteran andy dalton in this contest on sunday especially without michael thomas and he's gonna have to rely more on guys like chris olave as well as one i'd say traquan smith who had his annual it feels like breakout game chris olave and juice (laughs) obviously juice is going to be a key player as well in the contest
2: uh, yeah, yeah. Trey Quinn Smith had had his appearance for you know, 2022, so I'm not sure we can count on another one. Uh, but the thing about Andy Dalton is this: uh, you know, it, it, he's an efficient quarterback. He always has been. He throws a nice deep ball, uh, yeah, which uh, yeah, I think people are overlooking. Uh, but the thing that the Saints are going to look for from Andy Dalton uh, is he is much more of a take what the defense gives you kind of player than what Jameis Winston ever has been. So I think with Andy Dalton, we're going to see Alvin Kamara more involved in the passing game, uh, which you need to do against you know, the, these these big but athletically limited Vikings linebackers. You're going to see uh, you know, maybe a few screen passes to Mark Ingram. You're going to see some safe checkdowns. Uh, Dalton had worked up a very nice chemistry early in camp when Jameis Winston was limited uh, you know, with uh, with Juice Landry, Calloway, Deontay Hardy, and especially Chris Alave. And we saw some of that chemistry you know, play itself out in Dalton's limited reps during the preseason. He was extremely efficient. Now, obviously, it's preseason and only a drive or two. You know, but still, I think that that showed us a glimpse of what Andy Dalton can do in this offense. He's an extremely smart quarterback, doesn't have nearly the or athleticism of Jameis Winston. Uh, yeah, but, again, I, I, I think t- I see Pete Carmichael putting together a safer game plan than what he ever did with Winston. Not going to be nearly as reliant on down-the-field throws, although don't rule it out. Don't rule a shot player two out. Uh, and you know, I, I think the Saints need to run the ball to support Dalton. And, again, with his limited athleticism and, you what know, he's 34 years old, you don't want him hit very often. So... Uh, so they're going to have to protect him but Andy Dalton is going to be pretty efficient tomorrow I believe
1: I would sure hope so bob and you know what what are the, the big keys for this contest against the Minnesota Vikings who look to be a little bit better than I think a lot of us expected in 2022
2: uh, yeah you're absolutely right Well, for, yeah, we've been talking about the offense this Saints team needs something offensively uh, the defense cannot continue to carry them uh, you know, but they have a nice matchup against the Minnesota team that's ranked near the bottom of the league you know, granted it's only three games but they rank near the bottom of the league in most categories so the Saints I believe will be able to move the ball against Minnesota's defense but they're going to have to stop shooting themselves in the foot these self-inflicted miscues have killed this unit all year long defensively, you're t- you're looking at a marquee matchup between Marshawn Lattimore, Bradley Roby, Paulson Adebo uh against the Viking receiving trio of uh you know Justin Jefferson, of course, Adam Thielen who has been a Saints killer and KJ Osborne. Uh I look for the Saints to do fairly well, but especially in this day and age of the NFL, you can't cover a guy, cover your guy forever, not without drawing a flag uh, or, or having to back off a coverage. So you need to get pressure on Kirk Cousins. Kirk has only been sacked four times this year, uh, but I was researching for an article uh, that I just published this morning. He's been hit or pressured 35 times. So that tells me that the pass rush is still getting to Kirk Cousins. Uh, you have to eliminate the Vikings running game. You have to. And Dalvin Cook is banged up but will play. If you can manage to do that and make the Vikings one-dimensional, that's out of Kirk Cousins' comfort zone. He's not an air it out 40, 45 times a game kind of guy. Uh, you know, if, uh, if he throws the ball that much, the Vikings are usually in trouble and when he does throw you gotta pressure him He gets rid of the ball quickly, so I don't know how many times you'll get him on the ground. But you pressure Kirk Cousins, he's bound to give you a couple errant throws, and the Saints defense has to capitalize. They played pretty well, especially against the pass, but they have not forced turnovers yet this year. Only three of them, and none of them have been interceptions. So the uh, Saints defense has to flip the field. If they can do that and the offense stops shooting themselves in the foot, I actually like this matchup in favor of New Orleans.
1: It's definitely going to be an intriguing ball game, especially because you look at the Saints; they have performed really well in the month of October the last few years. Yes,
2: yeah, they absolutely have. Going back to the early days of Sean Payton, uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it, I mean, it's a ridiculous winning percentage. Uh, you know, it's somewhere I believe close to eighty percent of their ball games uh, under Payton's tenure. And granted, I know SP on the sidelines anymore uh you yeah, but yeah, a lot of those same players most of the same coaches are in place if the saints are going to make a run for any kind of playoff berth whatsoever they need to have a solid october uh and it has to start now you can't open the season one and three with all three win- uh, losses coming in your conference that's going to kill you come uh, tiebreaker and playoff stretch time
1: oh no you know exactly because I, I, you bring up stats and facts here's something that I think I've brought up before in the past on this show, is when the Saints start 1-3, and three, since Sean Payton took over as the head coach of the Saints, they have, when that happens, they get a losing record, and it's always 7-9. and nine. So you, ha- you pretty much have to win this game to even have a shot at getting to the postseason. And I think your chances... Don't get much better because, obviously, after this week, you're going to have to also go through the rest of your gauntlet of a season where you're having to deal with the Bengals in just a few weeks' time. So I think I agree with you. This is a game that is, to a certain extent, must win.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's as close to a must-win situation as you can have in week four. Uh, yeah, because, like you said, you still have you know, back around your division, and you know, those are always crapshoot games. you got the Bengals. You have the Ravens, uh, you know, 49ers, Rams, Cardinals, which were a playoff team last year. On paper, this is such a daunting schedule. Uh, and, you know, you have to get the wins where you can uh, and rack up as many of them. Where, I'm not going to call any win in the NFL easy, uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, you're, uh, the Vikings are in the same situation you are as far as the New Orleans Saints are concerned. They had to travel across the pond. They had to deal with the adversity of uh – uh, yeah, such travel, a, a daunting travel schedule, uh, body adjustments, time clock uh, adjustments, and so on and so forth. Uh, yeah, so As far as I'm concerned, the playing field is uh, on level grounds here. Uh, you know, The Saints have to come out of this with a victory. I'm not going to wave the white flag on the season if they don't, but the statistics you just laid out, they speak for themselves, man.
1: They speak for themselves, Bob, and you know what, Bob? You speak for yourself really well, brother. Appreciate you coming on the program, my man. We'll talk to you down the road, enjoy the rest of your weekend, and try and get some sleep before the 9 o'clock kick, all right?
2: I'm going to try to squeeze in a nap this afternoon, uh, but I thank you, CD. It's always an honor being on with you. Uh, you put out a great show. Can't wait to do it again.
1: Appreciate it, brother. That was Bob Rose. You can follow him on Twitter at Bobby r 2613 And i got to say, I, I keep forgetting that Like, I was looking at his profile picture before putting the show graphic out. And he's got the Jim Don't Call Me Chris Everett jersey out there and it's autographed. Love to see it, mind you. Chris Everett, oh, excuse me, I, I said it, Jim Everett. He blocked me on Twitter because of the Chris reference. But, again, that's because I'm more of a OG jungle kind of guy. We'll take a quick timeout, wrap the show, one final take, and it's baseball-related, surprisingly. So we'll go ahead and take a quick timeout out, get to that right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, and 104, 1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
0: Before we close up shop here on Under the Dome, CD has just one more take to fire off before he drops the mic. Is it going to be a take that lands on the Scoville scale? Ah! Or is it going to be as cold as the pizza in your fridge? Let's listen in and find out.
1: Welcome back to Under the Dome here on the game. 103.7 Live. You had a 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers. About to get out of here on a Saturday. And I want to talk about the MLB and the home run record. Mainly because Roger Maris Jr. decided to open up his mouth and say something I feel like I vehemently disagree with. And that is the fact that you have Aaron Judge tie Roger Maris' is 61. And he said if he hits 62, then he's the real home run king. And he basically disqualified Mark McGuire and Barry Bonds for what they did. And here's the thing. It's perfectly valid, his point of view. I just disagree because it's still their record. Yes, there are asterisks, but at the same time, unless Aaron Judge has a season akin to that and hits 70-plus home runs, He is not the real home-run king. I understand there's a superiority complex of being a Yankees fan or being a Yankee in general, but that doesn't mean that you usurp the throne because of one person. I understand. And, again, it's the old school, and I've said it before, I'll say it again, the hashtag baseball boomers putting that narrative out there. That's how I see it When when you talk about Aaron Judge. What he did was great, no doubt about it. Being able to break a record that nobody thought would be broken in a Yankees uniform of Roger Maris's 61 home runs, and if he had 62, amazing. Puts him down as one of the greatest Yankees to play the game. And here's the scary part. He's just getting started. I guarantee you, he's probably going to be one of the best Yankees of all time if he sticks around. Because there's obviously something about money playing a role, and it always does play a role when it comes to certain players. But that's what I've got for this week's program. We won't talk to you next week, because, well, LSU pregames can going to be at 9 o'clock when they take on the Tennessee Volunteers. Hopefully the nice weather that we've got holds up, because trust me, if it's like it was a few weeks ago when LSU, when Alabama played Texas at Swamp Ass, 11 a.m. in the morning in Austin, Texas, when it was 100-plus degrees on the field, I guarantee you, It's not going to be a fun time, but if it's this kind of weather, I think the fans at LSU will not be complaining a single bit. That's just my opinion. But again, we'll be back in two weeks time right here on the game. Hopefully, I don't think there's any other 11 a.m. games that could schedule and if they do, you know, it is what it is. We'll adjust and move forward because that's what we do here at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Got LSU tonight at 4 o'clock pregame, kickoff at 6, and we also will have Astros baseball on News Talk 98.5. But wait, there's more. We've got a quadruple header tomorrow. We got the Saints and Vikings game at 8.30, and then it's 12 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 7 o'clock, a quadruple header, wall-to-wall football right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, And this has been Under the Dome with CD. Let's get out of here. Have a great weekend.